Hello everybody out there in the real world. I am here in mine, my little bubble, recording yet another episode of Little White Meat Lies. And I thank you for joining. You know, something that I've wanted to do since the beginning is not be the sole voice that you hear. I wanted to interact with you, have guests on, maybe even give somebody else the reins and just be on the side commenting. Well, I got the chance to interview a gentleman that I've come to know and I actually posted the um, interview online in a few different formats and so forth a little while back, but I want it to be here as well. I think it's timeless, you know, whether you hear it right after it was done, whether you hear it a few years from now. There is a lot of tidbits that are are very interesting, relatable, um, and worthy of your time. Now, is it jam-packed of exciting on your edge of your chair, uh, slapping your hand type of material? No, it's more like a really good book and all the best parts are the ones that you appreciate as an individual. I couldn't tell you what they are because to you it may be something totally different than the person next to you, to myself, etc. But I'm going to keep this short because I like to do that. Matter of fact, last episode, I'm looking back, was long. I should have split it up at the very least. But we will just have to focus and work on that going forward. So I am going to go ahead and start the interview. Again, I'm just playing back a recording from the actual interview that, that I've done in the past. Let you have a listen. We'll stop it about midway, let you digest that, and then you can move on to my next um, episode, which will be the second half. So once again, thank you for tuning in and here you are. Um, again, I want to thank you for taking time, Rudy, to speak with us today. Tell us your story. What, um, where do you come from as far as um, your background studies and professionally, and what are you doing now? All right, thanks, Lou. So I, uh, I grew up here in, in Dallas, uh, East Dallas to be more exact. Um, went to high school at Skyline which is out in uh, the border town of Pleasant Grove and um, East Dallas, what I like to call it. Graduated in 2009, went to Richland Community College, did my basics there, and then I transferred out to Southern Methodist University, or SMU, uh, as people know it here. Uh, at SMU, I majored in electrical engineering and math. Graduated in 2014. I remember that I was like, this guy's so smart and he cooks. 
uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that piece. Um, so 2014, I graduated uh, from SMU. I met one of the recruiters for AT&T um, at school. Uh, kicked it off very well and uh, ended up getting hired as a, an engineer out at uh, Farmer's Branch in one of their offices. Okay. Um, so what I did there, I uh, uh, I did design work and uh, spectrum planning, which is the frequencies or the signals that phones use to communicate with the antennas. Okay. Um, so there's a piece called the North Texas, which is not your typical North Texas. The way that we classify North Texas over there was literally the northern part of Texas. So it included uh, Dallas to Amarillo to El Paso and even little parts of, of New Mexico. And that was basically the North Texas territory. And um, so I did design work, which was uh, the uh, basically designing of don't want to get too technical, but the uh, frequencies that, that were used to communicate uh, within the North Texas area. Um, and so what I like to, or what I used to like saying was, um, I was in charge of uh, designing the towers so the magic between the phone and the cell phone towers could happen. Um, and that was fun. I bet. I um, am a techie guy, not to your level, but... I got to imagine, you know, um, all of us are so dependent on our cell phones these days. That's, per that's pretty uh, important work you were doing. But that's not what you do now. No, so not. how did that, how'd that transition go? Um, so before um, I uh, left at and uh, a little over a year ago, I um, actually got promoted to be a financial analyst at the company. And so I went from uh, designing and managing frequencies, cell phone towers for AT&T to doing budget planning and budget. Um, I just took care of budget for uh, one of our groups uh, within AT&T, product groups. And so, yeah, I did engineering for about a year and eight months. And then um, I was a financial analyst for little over a year a little over three years um and i say a little over three because i left at&t right a little bit before my my five-year mark um so i was a finance guy more than i was an engineer and i enjoyed that very much um and so i uh I started to realize that I had a passion for business. Um, I transitioned into a field that I had no idea um, what I was getting myself into, but um, I, I really enjoyed that experience. And so um, little by little, I started getting more and more curious about how businesses ran and how um, they functioned to a point where I told myself, um, what if I get into starting a business one day? And so the opportunity presented itself and um, I was a big, and still am, a big traveler. And so um, one of the things that I enjoyed a lot post-graduation 
post undergrad was uh, traveling in the U.S. And as I traveled the U.S., I realized that I enjoyed food a lot. Uh, growing up here at the restaurant that we're in, um, I had a thing for for good food and. Um, when I was growing up, this is all I really knew was just Mexican food. And so when I went out to Miami for the first time, uh, I tried out Cuban food. And long behold, I really, really enjoyed the Cuban sandwich. And so um, fast forward a few years after that, I started traveling to find different dishes. And so... Um, after realizing that whenever I would come home that I would have to wait until next time to have this authentic dish that I could only have in X city, I said, well, I've always wanted to start a business. I love traveling. I love food. Why don't I just create a business that has staple dishes from across the U.S.? And so that's how that started. Um, and when I left at and I was really gonna do this more as a part, not a part-time, but more of a side hustle, side gig, and kind of get my feet wet. Um, that was 2018. In 2019, I got my feet wet, and I, I um, was planning on going back to, to work in corporate, but, I fell in love with the freedom and the opportunity to really leave my mark on Dallas. And so I said, what the heck, why not? Let's let's go ahead and, and, and enjoy this and see where this goes. And so the first full year that I was really in business, because I started this back in 2018, uh, September of 2018, I had no idea what I was doing. In 2019, I was figuring out a little of what the identity of the business was. And um, I started, you know, selling at the farmer's market, Dallas farmer's market, that's where, where I started, that's where we started. And um, I learned a lot being there uh, that I wanted to start you know, branching out a little bit more and, and getting a taste of giving Dallas a bit of, of our taste, not just within the farmer's market. So um, I started doing pop-ups at uh, breweries. And so that started to, to, to grow and to, to build up. Um, but when that was going on, uh, we were actually called Idios Mio. I remember that. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I, I learned a lot in 2019 that uh, looking back um, if I may be honest it was a tough year for me in terms of me figuring things out um, I like I said I've always wanted to start a business but I had no idea how to start one and when I got my feet wet um, I I had to learn I guess the hard way on, on how to start building a business from from scratch um, what were like the major steps or challenges? Because I'm, I'm sure if I went out tomorrow and said, "Oh, I'm going to start my own business. I love doing food," you know, there's, it's not easy. It's not something that just anyone can do. No, it's a. 
um, it, it's 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 certainly tough, uh, but it is doable. Um, and I may, I may be speaking too early in terms of the doable part because I'm still what I like to consider the, the beginning stages. Um, but I think one of the, the big struggles in building a business is uh, first, I mean, my, my, my piece was um, the identity. And one thing I've learned is, you know, the supply and demand thing that you learn in economics or that you've heard of a lot. Well, that has a big factor into building a business. Um, you can have the supply, but if you don't have the demand, uh, business is not going to go very far. And so I think that's one of the things where I was, um, one of the things that I was running into from the beginning was um, I was trying to create something in a very competitive environment because you look around and you see a restaurant in every corner, a food concept in every corner, and it's, it's, it's difficult to differentiate yourself. And so... Uh, I thought with my unique concept of uh, what I was wanting to do was create a, a foodie spot, but my name was kind of holding me back. And so uh, one of the things that uh, that I learned from that is marketing is, is a very powerful asset that every business I think in my personal opinion should really understand because without the marketing piece it's hard to start taking off from there if you don't have even the simplest thing that a lot of people that I could consider myself to be in that group of a lot of people didn't think of in the beginning which was the name um, that really was holding me back and so um, like I said, I, I didn't know about business, but uh, there's a lot of books out there and there's a lot of resources that um, that I started using that time to really educate myself and understand marketing because that's one of the things that I was lacking in the beginning. And so um, I, I took all the concepts and all the lessons learned from the failures, experiences, uh, successes, and the lessons learned and uh, it was around the end of uh, 2019 where I said uh, we we need to need to change the name up because it's it's not helping me out um, and so when the idea of, of changing it to, to Rudy Shack came to me was it was um, I realized that a lot of people were not necessarily saying, let's go out to Aydos Mio, let's go out to Rudy's. And so I kept hearing that a lot, They're, let's go to Rudy's, let's go to Rudy's. And I said, people, I think in the beginning of a small business, go out and support the person rather than, than the, 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 the concept, the, the establishment. And so I used all of that um, to say, all right, let's play on the word foodies. My name is Rudy. It sounds very identical. There's a lot of Rudy's out there. You got Rudy's Chicken. You got Rudy's Barbecue. You got a lot of Rudy's out there. Let's find a way to differentiate ourselves. And uh, yeah, I, I changed the name in, at the beginning of this year and named it to Rudy Shack, playing on the word foodies.
And, ah, okay. And so now, um, the piece that I struggled with last year was our identity. And with the name itself, um, it, it can be a good conversation starter where I can, uh, I can uh, have that conversation with, with someone and them have the aha moment when they put the two and two together that we're playing on the word foodies and just say, you know, we're a foodie shack. Our concept is not necessarily a just strict Mexican, strict Cuban, strict barbecue. No, it's, it's, we're going to embrace the concept of, of what America has to offer. And uh, I know it's, it's not very common or very heard of to say, let's go get some American food. Let's go get, you know, some burgers or it's, it's mainly, you know, let's go get some Mexican, let's go get some Chinese, let's go get, you know, something. But I, I really want to embrace the dishes that America has to offer. And so, um, yeah, with, with all of this, um, we came up with, with the concept of, of changing the name, going from there, and then really embracing who we are. And uh, I want to say that, you know, 2020 has so far treated me and treated the business very well. Well, that's great news. So um, just to rewind a little bit on that, um, so as far as, you know, setting up shop, you know, it's, I can't imagine that, that anybody can just bring their, their food to the farmer's market and what have you. There's got to be, do you have to get certain licenses, certain permissions, yes. get vetted by the, you know, health department? Or yeah, that? yeah. So, um, uh, every city is different. Um, but everybody operates the same way. So um, one is the establishment needs to have a uh, certified food manager license. And so uh, that's one of the licenses that, that is required. And then two is you have to have a commissary kitchen. And so um, what happened there with that was uh, I was looking into a lot of commissary kitchens and quite expensive um, just to rent out um, the the spot is is really pricey and um, I uh, have my home here at the restaurant I spend most of my time here now and this is where where I prep so um, I come here in the mornings when no one's here from 6 to 9 a.m. and I do my stuff uh, I do my stuff during the slow times of the day, which is around this time from like three to five. And then in the evenings from like nine to 10, 1030. Um, those are like my, my ranges that I use. And so uh, to answer your question again, it's yeah, you need um, the food handlers license, the, the food managers license, someone that needs to be certified um, that, that understands um, the, the health concern behind serving food, um, a commissary kitchen, and then, um, uh, well, like when we go sell at the farmer's market, uh, we just have to work with the city of Dallas to ensure that uh, we're vetted and it's a yearly uh, permit that, that I get renewed to, to sell like at the farmer's market. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've mentioned and referred a few times um, 
the, the family business where we're, we're sitting right now, did you um, kind of work your way up? Do you know every side of it or what was your involvement growing up? Because I know me, I started busing tables. And then from there, I waited tables. I did some prep in the kitchen, never got to the actual chef cook level. And I definitely didn't get to the management, all the ins and outs of paperwork and all that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm glad you asked that question um, because, so uh, I earned my first set of tips when I was $6. I mean, when I was six years old. Um, I, uh, I started helping out my, my, my dad when he first opened up the location uh, back in 96, 96, 97. And um, I, I didn't know that by just, you know, treating people right they'd give you money in return. So I, I think I fell in love with, with, with that. Um, and so I grew up as a waiter from six years old up until, um, basically up until three years ago, um, little, little under three years ago, which was when I was 25, um, I, I was, I was a waiter. And so I, I never really understood the kitchen until I started experimenting with, the foods that I was going to put on, on my menu. And um, I started off first by uh, smoking brisket. So that was one of the first things that I, that I really learned. And um, it, it, I attribute a lot to brisket because it uh, kind of, you know, started me on, on the right path. Um, and so uh, we have a commercial smoker in the, in the kitchen over there and uh, we even offer the, the brisket here at, at the restaurant. So um, it, it's kind of cool to think how I learned how to smoke brisket at my uh, 600 square foot apartment's balcony. Um, and yeah, I just literally started with a smoker. It was probably about maybe this big. I could fit two, two briskets in there. Um, I would set an alarm every two hours late at night so I can go in and throw uh, logs to keep the, the fire going and came here and I started uh, you know getting more acquainted with the food prep process because um, right you have to follow certain standards certain processes so the food uh, gets handled correctly and um, it's it's kind of cool now uh, fast forward Two and a half years later, when I first started to, to now, where um, I can say that I, I understand the restaurant business both in and out, and um, I, I always dreamed of of you know helping my dad out here. Um, and it, it's funny how like even now that I'm not here, I've probably contributed more to the business. Well, not me not being here and I say that because I understand the business a lot more and there's been some suggestions and some uh, changes that that I have helped make and uh, it's nice to see the results you know play out for themselves and um, so yeah to, to answer your question um, I grew up as a waiter now I'm, I'm a cook and uh, the cool thing about the the pop-up 
seen is you kind of get to be both, right? Because you still have the opportunity to talk to people, and then you also have the opportunity to make them a dish that they're really going to enjoy. So um, it's how people have put it lately, and I really like how they say it, and I, I like repeating it, but it's uh, my way of, of showing people how much I appreciate them, how much I, I love them, right? And... I do that by making them feel at home, but not only that, I serve them a dish where they say this is something that like reminds me of home. And so, yeah, I uh, I, I know the 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 bestness inside and out, and um, yeah, I can't wait to see where this where this is going. Very exciting, because um, you know, I that's really something that put you know kind of what you were speaking to there at the end put an impression on me, you know, you can go to a lot of places and they're just kind of throwing food together, you know, that they have maybe a little idea of what hospitality and service is supposed to be. But, you know, when I came um, and visited your papa for the first time, you know, I, I felt very welcome. All of a sudden, it's like I maybe hung out with you a few times already in just a few minutes. And when I tasted your food, it's like you obviously care about your food. You can tell in every meat, you know, there's nothing bland. There's nothing too greasy. I mean, it's everything tastes delicious on point. And um, I really commend you for that because, you know, I dabbled in cooking. As a matter of fact, I wanted to go to culinary school. And, um, you know, I never got to the point where I could really perfect dishes and not only that, make mashed quantities to feed mass quantities like you're doing. I mean, I do good to feed me and my wife, you know, a few days a week. Um, so I definitely um, like the points that you've made as far as bringing things home that we may not always get to eat. Because, you know, I do look for certain things. I will actually go distances for unique foods and foods that I can't find just at every corner. Um, for example, I had a quest to find a Japanese jiggly cheesecake. Oh, wow. Couldn't find that anywhere. I'd always see all these um, food shows and advertisements and articles. Well, there you have it. There's the first half of my first interview. I hope you're taking a lot from it, or maybe just at least one thing. We'll uh, stop here for this episode, but I hope you tune in and listen to the next one, as that will conclude the interview with having you listen to the second half. For now, computer and program. <laughs>